0: Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. On today's show, we wade into ongoing negotiations about sharing the water in the Colorado River. The state of Arizona is under a tight deadline to approve a new plan to handle future cutbacks to its Colorado River water supply as the amount of water in its reservoirs drops to perilously low levels. The Federal Bureau of Reclamation gave the seven Colorado River Basin states a January 31st deadline to come up with a drought contingency plan for the next several years. If not, the head of that agency will step in. The issue is falling water levels in Lake Mead, one of the reservoirs for the Colorado River. Arizona's legislature now must approve the deal that's been negotiated between the state and stakeholders, including cities, farmers, and native tribes, for months. Arizona Public Media's Vanessa Barchfield has followed the issue and explains where things stand now.
1: Earlier this summer, there was around a 50% chance of a shortage on Lake Mead by 2020. Now it's actually standing at 57%. Uh, So since July, stakeholders from Arizona's water community have been hammering out the details of how to allocate these water cuts mandated in the DCP. It did seem like talks were going to break down a number of times. There were some canceled meetings and a lot of controversy. But lawmakers do have a DCP legislation that they're that they're going over now, um, even though there are still a number of, of unresolved issues.
0: Do all the basin states have a plan that they're working on?
1: So actually, the the drought contingency plan is comprised of two different. DCPs, the Upper Basin Drought Contingency Plan. Um, The Upper Basin is, of course, comprised of Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico. Um, And that plan is really focused on protecting water levels within Lake Powell. Uh, And that's basically to make sure that the Upper Basin can meet its commitments to deliver water to the lower basin states. The Lower Basin DCP is designed to require that Arizona, California, and Nevada reduce their water usage from Lake Mead. Um, So under current rules, uh, pre-DCP rules, the Central Arizona Project, which of course provides water to us here in Tucson and in Phoenix, could lose every drop of its Colorado River allocation before California has to make any cuts at all. So under the DCP, for the first time, California will take a cutback to its water delivery if Lake Mead drops below the elevation 1045. Also, if DCP happens, Mexico will keep some water in Lake Mead. Uh, So, you know, there's really a widespread recognition that though, you know, these cuts are going to hurt, it's really fundamental to protecting the river.
0: Have the other states approved the the dcp that applies to them is is arizona the only one who is still running right up till the deadline. So
1: there are a few water agencies in California that still need to approve the plan. Arizona is actually the only state in the basin that needs to pass legislation to authorize a DCP. Um, So all of the other states have green lighted it. And um, assuming that we make the January 31st deadline, it then goes to Congress in DC for authorization
0: what have the sticking points been you've been following these negotiations
1: so the first big question that members of the steering committee sort of hammering out the details of dcp had to to grapple with was how much water should farmers in pinal county get um so under dcp farmers in pinal county are going to lose all of their water when the first shortage hits now um the the steering committee spent a few months grappling with sort of how to mitigate those losses with water from other sources in the CAP system. Um, Some of those other sources could have been maybe voluntary contributions from other water users or uh, maybe storing some water in Pinal County in exchange for credits. One early proposal involved sending water that Arizona has stored in Lake Mead under a program called Intentionally Created Storage, or ICS. Um, so they would send that water, some of that water, to the farmers in Pinal County. Uh, the idea of drawing water out of Lake Mead in an order to protect the reservoir seemed a bit counterproductive to a lot of members of the steering committee. And that caused a, you know quite a bit of friction. Uh, that option has really been put on the back burner. There's still a number of sticking points. Um, farmers are going to get 105,000 acre feet of water in 2020. And then their allocations of water are going to be reduced through 2023. Uh, and during those reduction years, there should be transitioning back to pumping groundwater. They say in order to do that, they need money to build new wells or re- rehabilitate the, the wells that are already there. And so they're asking both for more water through 2020 and also more money to build those wells. The state and CAP have both ponied up some money, but the farmers say it's really not enough. And you know they're also expecting to get some maybe federal funding to to, to help, but there is no guarantee from the federal government either. Um, Another big issue has been maintaining the priority system. So the whole system is based on a priority of who gets water first. Farmers have the lowest priority. The Gila River Indian community has the largest allocation of CAP water, but Its allocation is in different priority pools. So they will lose some water eventually. And talks almost broke down at one point when it seemed like they were actually going to end up worse off than the farmers, even though their priority is higher, um, because they weren't going to get the same level of mitigation. Um, That issue was basically been resolved. Another sticking point was that the organization that banks water for future development is also in the first pool of cuts, and developers want some mitigation, too. The Gila River Indian community has offered to lease some of its water to developers, but it's only if the DCP is approved. Um, So recently, developers came back saying that they want more mitigation because You know, there is no there there is no guarantee that the Gila River Indian community will fulfill that commitment. Um, The developers were essentially, I would say, laughed out of the room. Um, But, you know, every time an entity comes back asking for more money, it has definitely caused a few uh, heart attacks.
0: We will uh, look forward to your continued reporting on it. Thanks for sitting down with us.
1: Thank you, Christopher.
0: That was Arizona Public Media's Vanessa Barchfield. Tucson water is a major player in the drought contingency plan. Director Tim Tomier was a member of the steering committee that crafted Arizona's drought contingency plan. That plan includes Tucson water giving
2: up some water so farmers in Pinal County aren't hit so hard. What we actually did is we were willing to have some flexibility with uh, a portion of our Colorado River water for a short period of time in order to both provide some water assured uh, water surety to the agricultural interests in Pinal County about having enough water over the next three years in order to transition from Colorado River water to groundwater Um, they needed some assurance that enough water would be there for them to be able to make it through and we were in a unique position to provide that Uh, in return we will also be made whole on that water in Tucson uh, The way that works is a little bit complicated and convoluted, but um, there's water that's already been stored in our local aquifers that is held by the state right now, the state Arizona Water Banking Authority, and we would be uh, delivering some of our water to Pinal County in exchange for some of that water that's already here in Tucson. So we're made whole on our water, and we also will be receiving some reforms to the institutional framework in Arizona about reclaimed water. So reclaimed water has been an important part of Tucson's water supply since the mid-1980s. But there's been a couple of uh, barriers to getting it to uh, full use in the way we would like to use it. Uh, Namely, uh, we now, right now, have quite a bit of our reclaimed water that flows in the Santa Cruz River in the north end of the community. And it would be in our interest uh, to be able to continue that, but still be able to get full benefit from it when it recharges the aquifer. The current laws don't do that essentially what happens is we only get half credit for that water if it goes through the Santa Cruz River. The reform that would, uh, the main reform would be we would get 95% credit for that water, which makes it more of an incentive to use the river for our water management instead of having to take our water out of the river to get full benefit.
0: Somebody is going to hear this and, and say, wait a minute, we're giving water, Tucson Water is giving water to Pinal County I want to turn on my tap and I want water to come out.
2: That's not a problem. Tucson is uniquely positioned for uh, when a shortage occurs. Uh, there's a number of measures we have in place that make sure that we have sufficient water supply for Tucson. And, and, and one of them is the fact that we've done so, such a good job with conservation. We actually only use, on an annual basis, about two-thirds of our Colorado River water that we have rights to. The additional one-third... We've still been purchasing and storing locally for the future, so we've been putting deposits into our bank account for the future. And in those uh, two, one or two years where we would uh, agree to send a small amount of our water to Pinal County, we would actually get deposits uh, that are held in somebody else's name right now transferred to us. So we're not really giving up water, we're exchanging it. How much Colorado River water are we using? In 2018, About 80% of the water used in Tucson came from the Colorado River. We use it uh, through recharge and recovery, which if you've been to the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum and you look out over Avra Valley and you see those large bodies of water out there, those are Tucson's. That is where we infiltrate that water into the ground, down into the aquifer. We pump that water back out, which is a blend of Colorado River water and local groundwater, and that's what we deliver to most of the community. We still use, uh, uh, we use about 10% of our supply, actually comes from reclaimed water use. And uh, another eight to 10% comes from local groundwater, but it's groundwater that we uh, do treatment on in order to make it, um, take it from a, a contamination site Uh, So we're cleaning up the aquifer, which is something that needs to happen from past historic contamination, and we treat it to a very high degree so that we can actually put it to use in the community.
0: We're talking with Tim Tomier; He's the director of Tucson Water. We're using, as you said, two-thirds of of what we purchase or what we're allotted off the Colorado. Tucson's growing. Is there a point where we're going to use more of our Colorado River water uh, or Are we doing a good job on conservation and future planning?
2: We're actually doing a a great job on both conservation and future planning. It, It used to be, as recently as 15 years ago, when we had a conversation about a growing population and a growing economy, we naturally assumed that that would mean increased water demand. But through conservation and demand management and efficiency, we've actually brought our total water usage down over the last 15 years, even though we've had a significant growth in the community and the economy. Uh, In its very simplest form, right now we use the same amount of potable water in Tucson as we did in 1985 with 200,000 more people, and that's because of conservation. So we don't have enough water uh, to use it frivolously, but we are living well within our means in Tucson, and even uh, as we look to the future, we've decoupled water demand from population growth, meaning that they no longer trend upward together, where actually our long-term plan is to keep total water use relatively constant or maybe slightly increasing while population uh, increases at the rate it will.
0: With 80% of Tucson's water coming from Colorado River, as climate change continues to become more and more of an issue, are we in a precarious position with our water?
2: Climate change is certainly uh, something we need to um, plan for and make sure that we understand what could occur locally, how that could impact our water supply and our water demand. Um, It could uh, not only uh, create uh, lingering shortages on some of our supplies, but a hotter, drier climate could drive up that demand, even though we've brought outdoor water use down. If we don't have as much local rain or we have higher temperatures, that could naturally drift back upward. So we've uh, done a lot of work uh, and investment over the last few decades in order to have a resilient water supply. I wouldn't call it precarious because of the planning and investment we've done, and we also have quite a bit of a buffer between when things would start to get even worse on a water supply scenario till it would actually impact us. Uh, to put it, a few numbers around it, First of all, the one-third of our Colorado River water that we don't use annually, that we store for the future, uh, not only provides us a buffer that if we started to have cutbacks, it would take a while before it would actually even impact our ability to meet annual demand. And we've been banking that water for the future. So we've got over four years of renewable water stored in the ground locally, even if we got another, didn't get another drop from the Colorado, and there's no scenario where we get zero. Um, But if we did have a reduction, we can make up the difference with that stored water. And we do have, even though groundwater was the thing we were trying to preserve and transition away from, because we've done so, we've actually allowed the aquifer to replenish significantly. And we can use that as a supply to get us through a dry time or a a lean time, or if we needed to bridge to the next water supply. When you look at how Tucson compares to other uh, cities, we're, the, we're uniquely positioned to, to weather that um, phenomena and climate change moving forward. It doesn't mean we're stopping. It doesn't mean we can just say, okay, we got this. Um, we need to keep moving forward, um, but we are uniquely uh, resilient.
0: When people hear about cuts to the Colorado River allotment, that that's scary. That's water. That's less water coming down. If cuts come down, or maybe if isn't the right word, when cuts come down to the allocation, what does that mean for Tucson Water customers? Uh,
2: You are correct. It is a matter of when, not if. And so there's right now three different shortage cut levels that are on the books. Um, The drought contingency plan uh, increases the levels of those cuts on a voluntary basis, but it's all with the idea to protect the lake or Lake Mead in this case, from going to a catastrophic shortage. So um, a level one or a tier one shortage, actually Tucson's not affected at all. Our water is in the highest priority bucket on the, Colorado, or on the central Arizona project, so we don't get reduced at all in a tier one shortage, nor do we get reduced in a tier two shortage. So, uh, it's really until you get to a tier three shortage, which the lake level in Lake Mead gets below elevation 1,025, it's a magic number for us, that we would actually start to see uh, reductions. When that occurs, we actually have the water we've banked for the future that we can start to uh, use to uh, offset that. The fact that our allocation exceeds um, our demand by 30% is significant. We also have the Arizona Water Banking Authority that has stored water for just such a future occurrence, um, and then ultimately groundwater. So we are a number of stages away from actually a customer feeling an impact. And the goal of the drought contingency plan is overall, all of those actions in the DCP are to keep the lake from going below 1020. At 1020 or above, Tucson's really not significantly impacted. That was Tim Tomier,
0: the director of Tucson Water. This week we're talking about the drought contingency plan for the Colorado River, the major supplier of Tucson's water. University of Arizona law professor Robert Glennon is a water policy expert. He says the drought contingency plan is not a long-term solution to decreasing water in Lake Mead.
3: What the current plan would do is to buy that time, buy that four or five years for serious negotiations about how are the basin states going to respond in the face of dwindling supplies clearly exacerbated ac- by climate change. I mean, one of the, th- this drought, is now in its 19th year. Uh, No one knows whether this is the 19th year of a 19 year drought or the 19th year of a 50 or 70 year drought. And the climate scientists are starting to talk about this drought as having all of the indicia of what they call mega droughts. Droughts that have occurred two or three times in 2000 years. Long term, what needs to be done? Controlling demand management, conservation, reuse, price signals, and uh, agreements to sell or lease water. One of the important policy mechanisms is for the municipal and industrial sector to put together a pot of money that can be used to modernize farm infrastructure. Uh, Just a a word of backdrop. Um, In the Colorado River Basin, Farmers use 85% of the water. Most of that is, is put on their lands by flood irrigation, which is the least efficient form of irrigation. It's not as efficient as center pivots, sometimes called sprinklers. It's certainly not as efficient as micro uh, or drip irrigation. The problem for the farmers is that those other kinds of irrigation forms are very expensive, and many farmers are... Um, are uh, capital rich in the value of their lands, but cash flow poor. But for the urban sector, it's a drop in the bucket. And uh, a a very small reduction, Christopher, in agricultural consumption, say going from 85% to 80%, is somewhere north of 50% of an increase in the water for municipal and industrial users. And that, that solves the problem. So really, we just have to have the political will and the courage to put a plan like that in place, to keep farmers uh, active and their co- economies, doing what they do best, which is growing things for the rest of us, uh, and to do it in a way that's somewhat more efficient.
0: There's a lot of talk about getting farmers to pump more groundwater uh, under this plan. That's good for the Colorado, but is that good long-term water planning?
3: No. It's really turning the clock back past the 1980 Groundwater Management Act. That was a seminal piece of legislation. The state at the time was hideously overpumping its aquifers. The water tables were dropping, and the act put in place a system to reduce overpumping. And uh, part of the solution to that was going to be when the CAP was completed, it would bring surface water in from the Colorado River across the desert to Phoenix and Farmers in Maricopa, then south to Pinal County, mostly ag, and uh, down to Tucson, its terminus. And uh, it's a shame, I think, that the solution, a big part of the solution now is to drill brand new, high-capacity, modern um, wells equipped with modern pumps, um, those wells would be in service for generations, pumping five, 600 gallons per minute of every minute that they want to run the pump. And I think it would be far better to have figured out ways to modernize farm infrastructure to conserve some water use the existing wells to uh, use water in a somewhat more efficient way. There's been some criticism of farmers for playing hardball, and they are. They were, they're doing their best to protect their interests. Um, some have said, well, the heck with the farmers. They signed off on this deal in 2004. They knew what they were getting, and, you know, there's no excess water. So bad, so sorry. But to be fair to the farmers, I don't think anyone predicted it was going to get this bad this fast. And that's where I have I have some empathy for the farmers. I mean this this really caught everyone by surprise.
0: We're talking with Robert Glennon, a University of Arizona College of Law professor who specializes in water. The Gila River Indian tribe as we're as you and I are speaking is threatening to pull out of the drought contingency plan for Arizona right now. How important are the Native nations to all of this?
3: Oh, they're critical. Um, Both the Gila River Indian community and then over on the Colorado River, the Colorado River Indian tribes. And both of them have rights to very large quantities of water that took them a long time to secure. Uh, The Gila's in particular um, have had the water in the Gila River taken away by non-Indians, tracing back to the mid-19th century. Uh, and it was only in 2004 that the Heilers uh, agreed to a, uh, a water settlement in a very important piece of legislation that that uh, Congress ratified. Uh, the, some of the farmers, particularly Mr. Bowers in the legislature, who who is sympathetic to the farmers, want to. Uh, increase the amount of water that upper Gila River Valley farmers, would, non-Indian farmers would use. And as it is, the Gila's are are willing to put something like 500,000 acre feet of water on the table, for which they would be paid handsomely. Let me say, state that clearly. But they're being good citizens in saying, we will put this on the table to get the state's plan approved. And um, at the 11th hour to introduce this wrinkle is troubling. For one thing, I don't think the law would be, the law may not be valid that Representative Bowers wants to pass. There are some cases in Arizona that that state that the legislature cannot retroactively redefine prior appropriation surface water rights, which is sort of what the representative seems to be wanting to do, so, um, There are a lot of players, uh, conservationists, um, and others, cities, who would like this deal to be structured differently. Uh, But now we're coming down to the last 10 days, and it really is a question of of what are you going to do?
0: If Arizona cannot pass something that has enough agreement to, to pass, and the Bureau of Reclamation steps in, how bad is that going to be for Arizona?
3: It kind of depends on what Commissioner Berman does, but it it will be a lot worse than the plan. The plan is to try to avoid Lake Mead going below elevation 1075 by not using water that we are currently using and thereby kind of artificially propping up the water in the lake to prevent those those cutoffs under the 2007 Act. So it's very significant. Uh, Maybe even more ominous, Christopher, is uh, there are three levels in this agreement, 1075, 1050, and 1025. Uh, And once the lake goes below 1075, which has taken 19 years of drought, it won't be long before it hits 1050 and even the 1025 level. And that's for the simple reason that that the shape of Lakes Mead and Powell are the shape of a giant teacup, where the rim is much wider than the than the bottom of the cup, which makes sense. They're canyons. I mean, the dams, uh, Hoover Dam flooded or flooded Boulder Canyon and Glen Canyon Dam, Glen Canyon. So once you start to ask how much water is there in these successive feet, it turns out there's a heck of a lot less water lower in the reservoirs than
0: there is at the top of the reservoir. Thanks so much for sitting down with us and and working through some of this. Pleasure to chat with you, Christopher. That was Robert Glennon, a professor at the University of Arizona's James E. Rogers College of Law. And that's the buzz for this week. For updates on the drought contingency plan, tune into AZPM News and visit our website. You can find all of our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. Ariana Brocious produces The Buzz. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Andrea Kelly is the news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening.